Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Hey everyone, this is Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos. Normally, I save the slot for a promo on this week's episode, but unfortunately, due to the tragic event here in the city I live in, Las Vegas, Nevada, I am compelled to tape this portion on Tuesday of this week, so if you'll bear with me, I'd like to share some thoughts from the heart for just one moment. At the time of the senseless tragedy, Josh and I were taping our Monday show, and as the news was coming in, I had a difficult time trying to relate into words what I was feeling. The pain, anguish, anger, and sadness I was experiencing would have made it difficult to give those who deserve it their proper respect for that program. I intentionally try to steer away from the peaks and valleys of the regular world when producing content for Pop Culture Cosmos because I personally believe so much of what we talk about on our shows we use as a means of escape from the harsh realities of life and as a way to provide entertainment that help define the better parts of ourselves. But I must share with everyone, as a resident of this great city since 1995, I have come to realize that in the darkest of times, I have seen the brightest of hopes for us as individuals and what I pray will allow us to heal as a whole from those who do us harm. I have seen this community come together like I have never seen before and even in a time of great sadness. The strength that many have given each other, the bravery and fortitude of those who have helped individuals in need, and even the many others who have cheerfully responded by donating their time, money, goods, and blood have reinforced my belief in the goodness, warmth, and appreciation for their fellow man. To everyone from around the world who have checked in on my well-being, I am eternally grateful. And I have one final thing to comment on before I end this intro with a moment of silence honoring those who have suffered or lost their lives from this tragic, needless, and horrific event before we begin the program. For those wishing to bring evil and hate upon this world, I have only these few words which I hope will bring comfort to those who are still feeling the pain. Love will always, and I mean always, triumph over hate. If you choose that dark path, know this and know it well. You will not win. You will never win. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC. C 
Multiverse. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. It's going to be a great weekend, and I'll tell you what, here is the man to break it down with me. He is the man, the myth, the legend. He's the top dog of Humanica Media, is Josh Peterson. What's up, my friend? Hey, 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 man. Not much. Uh, you know, just doing Humanica Media dog stuff. <laughs> bow, wow, wow, yippee, yow, yow, yow. Anyways, um, it's a good... <laughs> I mean, that was close. It was close. It was close. It was close. It's going to be a great show we have for you today. We've got Rob McCallum on deck talking a lot about pop culture as we go into another episode of The Cosmic Crossfire. Then we have also have back for another round, it's Kevin Goatee. He is the creator of Comics Watching Comics. He is actually going to be talking to me a little baseball during the broadcast. And we're going to be also talking to our good friend, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. He's going to preview week five in the NFL for all those fantasy football owners out there. Josh, I'll tell you what, I have been so looking forward to this weekend. I'm truly excited. Blade Runner 2049 hits the big screen. It's rolling out into major markets all over the globe. And I'll tell you what, it's garnering acclaim from all over, from critics and fans alike already. Projected to do over $50 million this weekend at the domestic box office alone. I'm truly excited to see it myself. 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Just everything's going great for it. In fact, a lot of people are even calling it one of the greatest sequels of all time. So your thoughts and anticipation on what you hope will happen when you watch Blade Runner 2049. My hopes for the movie, I, I'm trying not to have any hopes, honestly. But, you know, I would like to see, I would like to know, you know, what happened after the original Blade Runner. Because I know you had to watch the director's cut to see if, uh, was it uh, De Deckard, right? To find out if he is actually a replicant. Because it all depends on the cut. They're actually in existence. There's seven. so many different cuts. Yeah, and it's weird because like Blade Runner is one of those movies where you it's like if, if you're not truly dedicated to uh, I guess figuring it out or um, you know if you're not truly obsessed not obsessed but like you're one of those people who likes to go back and like fine comb movies you're probably not going to want to watch like a director's cut or another version of it because to some people it's a, it's overly complicated for them to like, be like, Oh, Hey, I want to watch this a second time. So, well, yeah, too, I'll tell you what, the final cut is the one that's being floated around. Now it's being shown prominently on sci-fi. It's the one that's being floated around most often in DVD and Blu-ray formats. There's also the theatrical release now, if you see the theatrical release and you see the final cut, you're going to see substantial differences. In fact, that's where the question comes up. Is Deckard a replicant or not? Because if you watch the theatrical version, you don't get that sense at all because there are certain scenes cut. But once they're put back into the final cut, and even a, a cut that was actually made in the 90s, the director's cut, that actually puts that back in, that possibility that he is a replicant in those particular cuts of the movie. I, I'm excited about it, but it, it it's a very complicated movie. And so I've been telling people, like, my luckily my dad is, like, super stoked on it. And he wants to go see it. But if, it, you know, if my dad didn't want to go, I'd probably just end up going by myself because it's such a complicated movie and you really have to be smart and 
you know, into sci-fi stuff to under to comprehend what's going on. But even if you don't, you you still just the visuals of that time have transcended over the years, which makes it in part why the movie has become more famous and such a cult hit over the years. Right. Yeah, that that's true too. Um, I was talking to someone who. You know, they had never seen the original, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm excited for Blade Runner 2049. So naturally, I'm like, okay, well, tell me why. And they go, it was a girl, and she goes, because of Ryan Gosling. So, I mean, I guess that that's, you know, whatever. He's going to pull people into the movie. My fear is that people are going to go into this movie, and they're going to come out saying, it's too complicated. I don't understand. It's going to turn other people off from seeing it. So, you know how, you know, word of mouth goes around like that. Right now, we just checked social media, and word of mouth is very, very strong on the movie. So that's at least initially a great sign. Right, right. But yeah, so you know, the movie itself looks good. Jared Leto. I'm, you know, I'm curious: is he going to end up being? Is he going to be a villain? Is he going to be a misguided antihero? What, what's what's going on with him? And there's just there's so much I don't know about the movie, and I'm fine not knowing because. I feel like I'm just going to get in there and I'm going to be surprised and have my mind blown. I mean, even if you're not smart, you have to be able to watch the movie and be able to catch on to things really quick. So, you know, they have like brief lines of dialogue that explain such and such. And it's a very good movie. I loved it. It's just, I, it's not something I would show somebody to get them hooked onto a, you know, into the sci-fi genre just because of its its magnitude of story. And it it's a great story, mind you, but it's just not one that's easily easy to follow but let me ask you this we're talking about all the director's cuts i noticed because i've been trying to find the final director's cut like i finally found it on amazon and i've been waiting for it to get shipped to me but why is it do you think that stores aren't selling new editions of blade runner that have like the the little movie tickets in them and whatnot Uh, because they usually do that when a new movie comes out but blade runner is nowhere to be found and you think with such a big sequel coming out that stores would naturally be jumping on this. Even the 4K version is like online only at most places. That's a good question. I can only tell you that the director's cut came in the 90s and then the final cut, which was actually approved 100% by the director. That's the one in the 2007-2008 the era. That one is the actual definitive vision of Ridley Scott, not the director's cut in 92. And I know that makes absolutely no sense to, to people out there not familiar with the franchise. Believe me, it, it's, it's sometimes it's very difficult to explain. But I will say this as far as I know that the final cut was being shown in theaters on both Wednesday and as a doubleheader Thursday with the premiere of Blade Runner 2049 itself. Maybe that's why, but I can understand your reasoning why they didn't go ahead and pitch this more as far as, and they could have gotten more sales because people are now curious about the movie. And I think going forward, people that watch 2049, because obviously more people are going to see it in the theaters than anybody who saw it in the theaters originally back in 1982, they're going to see the sequel much more so than they are that. Um, and the, the reason why it's become so popular over the years is because it came, became popular over tape, uh, excuse me, VHS tape, DVD, Blu-ray, and what have you. So Blade Runner, to me, as far as I think, will be more popular. People will have a demand for the original movie as 2049 stays in the theaters and gains some momentum 
So you're right. It, it maybe is a miscalculation by Warner Brothers. Uh, I'd like to see them go ahead and, and at least make that more of accessible to everyone out there. Maybe they figure it's so old a movie people really won't have an interest for it. But I have a feeling, you're right, that they people that didn't get a chance to see it over the years will now suddenly want to clamor and understand the whole Blade Runner lifeline as far as from 2019 to 2049 and even take a look as far as the three different mini movies that were made in preparation for Blade Runner 2049, including the anime and also as well the one with Jared Leto and the one with Dave Bautista. They can check that out on YouTube and they'll be looking forward to watching that to, to make sure they can get all the pieces in place because the Blade Runner 2049 does well, even though I've been told and under reviews and under embargo and whatnot that it's a very self-contained movie. I have no doubt Warner Brothers will try to, to push the button on a at least a third movie, if not a full-fledged franchise. All right, so just for a minute, then let's go back and talk about some stuff from the first one. So, okay, so what we know about Replicants is they let, let's let's break this down in a second. So, what we know about Replicants, they're well. I'm gonna do a let me do a void comp on you. Let's make sure. Okay, let me ask you a question: If a tree falls in the woods, would you hear it? If it yells loud enough. <laughs> okay, you are definitely a replicant. But go ahead. I'm just All kidding. right. All right. Well, okay, so replicants are only supposed to have a lifespan of four years from what we know. So uh, unless, you know, that the Nexus 6 model, that was the Nexus 6 model, which was portrayed in the film by Rutger Hauer, Joanna Cassidy, Brian James. Daryl Hannah was also in the film as well. They were Nexus 6 with a four-year lifespan. They never mentioned a creation of a Nexus 7, did they, in the movie? They didn't per se, from what I remember, but there is a, a point where he does indicate after the Void Comp test that uh, um, Sean Young's character walks out of the room. He is told, that meaning Harrison Ford, by Tyrell that she is different uh, as far as a replicant is concerned, but they don't allude to how until the end of the movie when they allude to the fact that she has no lifespan. If you watch the version that has voiceovers by Harrison Ford, he all and out says it. If you watch the version like the final cut or the director cut that does not have the voiceovers, and I know this is still very confusing, they only allude to it. So it's, it, like I said, it's, with so many different versions that are out there, and I know there's at least seven in total, that it's very hard to ascertain exactly one from the other. What you know, and you have to watch the at least two of them to get the idea of what the original vision was for Ridley Scott and what the vision ultimately became for the movie movie studio once they saw the finished product. The finances. Okay. The finances. Yeah. I feel like there might have originally just been two scripts, and like the second script had all the bonus material in it and they filmed it anyways just in case further down the line they wanted to add something into it no they test screened it what's the deal here they test screened it in the uh, version that was more applicable to what ridley scott wanted it did not test well amazingly enough because it was so far ahead of his time people just didn't get it at that point in time so the financiers got scared so what they did before the theatrical release even though there was version shown already that did not have it in there. They contractually obligated 
Harrison Ford to come in and do voiceovers. And at points in time, he did such an intentionally lousy job. If you hear some of the outtakes, it's really quite funny how bad he was intentionally trying to do the outtakes. But the financiers, they wanted voiceovers for it. Now, actually, I'm going to be honest with you. There are a couple points in time where voiceovers really help someone who has not seen the film. Like, for instance, when they're talking about city speak, that's to me is a great help because people don't understand what city speak is. If sometimes when you watch the director's cut and it does, because it doesn't, you're like, okay, why is Edward James Olmos's character Gaff? His appearances early on are in city speak, but you don't really understand what that is unless you get that voiceover. So that's not included in the final cut. So that's, you know, that's a problem I have right there. And then I like a little bit of the narration at the ending. I think it really helps, especially when spoilers, and if you haven't seen it yet, it's 35 years old, you got to see it. Rutger Howard's character finally meets his maker. So I, I kind of like the, the narration there, but I understand that, that the happy ending that was added on in the theatrical version really was just bad. I know they grabbed that footage from The Shining, from what I'm told. So, yeah, that really didn't fit well for the movie as a whole. I can understand why Ridley Scott did not care for it. But he was already off making another picture, so it was out of his hands at that time. Like I said, flash forward, you know, 30-some-odd years later, and yes, there's a final cut that actually is to Ridley's liking. It doesn't have the narration. It doesn't have the happy ending. And it also has a very important scene that's added in that starts that debate is Deckard a replicant. So, <laughs> like I said, the movie is very complicated. <laughs> I, I Just explaining it to people makes it complicated, and I apologize to anyone out there if they are not as familiar with the Blade Runner franchise, but they've actually created this confusion by making available or even showing, even behind closed doors, versions of the movie that are different from one another. And sometimes in this, well, in this case, certain scenes are out of one version that are in another version, and it totally means a different thing for the movie. So, you know, watching the original, like I said, still, to me, is a great experience. It is my number one choice. If you take a look at my favorite films, which is located on our, our site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, it's definitely a, a, a great movie for me, a feast for the eyes. The score is outstanding, and it just is truly an experience to behold, even, and, and it still holds up to this day. That's one thing I like about it best. The movie still holds up today. See, that's why I always have a, I always have a problem recommending it to people because I'm like, it's an excellent movie, but you know, if you go looking for it, you're going to find like you know, seven different versions and you're probably not going to watch the right one. And I just, I don't recommend it often, but I do well, like it. If you want to see the version that really Scott likes, just, the, the most recent and what's most widely available at this point in time, the 2008 cut, that's the one I'd probably go with at this point in time. The 92 version, the director's cut, uh, and the final cut, there's very little differences. The only difference being that there's a lot of it's just color shading and then also some, some special effects were put in into the final cut, but that's basically um, most of it. It's the theater, what was originally shown in theaters, and what ultimately Ridley Scott wanted and ended up doing and ended up molding into 
is is what came out of it is, is the version that you want to see so the, yeah but it's probably just say the final cut let's just go with that one george lucas did it too so what are you gonna do it's their movies yeah that's true but there's not like seven different versions of star wars it's <laughs> the only thing but just just two from what i remember yeah yeah i get what you're saying though but yeah so anyways we know replicants uh so i i'm curious to know what if deckard is a replicant what model replicant is he and i want to know exactly what these replicants are made of like are they they're bioengineered humans but are they you know they're what makes them different like how how are they created what is the process there i know they have jared leto's character who actually like brings them to life and they were outlawed on earth so why is jared leto's company on earth now creating more replicants is well you, that's the thing you have to see if you go to youtube and you see one of those mini movies that was made for obviously promotional purposes it explains Jared Leto having a meeting, I believe, in the 2030s range. I'm not exactly entirely sh- sure. I watched it a couple weeks ago. But it explains why Jared Leto's character, Wallace, is actually now able to produce or at least try and get the prohibition lifted on replicants. And it also explains as well, if you watch the anime that that's now widely available on YouTube, that is a great anime that was made uh, and as far as taking a look at, at explaining what happened in 2022 when the replicants tried to fight back and cause the prohibition in the first place. So now it's all leading up to whatever is going on in Blade Runner 2049 and maybe an ultimate battle between humans and replicants. I'm not sure entirely. It's kind of looking like that, but there's a discovery that's made and that might lead in that direction. I'm very, very excited to to hopefully be seeing it and I'm definitely uh, going to be looking forward to it when I sit down to theaters and I actually get a chance to enjoy it. So any last thoughts on, on Blade Runner 2049 now that I've totally confused the heck out of you? I'm trying not to ask any questions because I remember I went into Blade Runner or after I watched Blade Runner, I just I, I knew it was one of those movies that like I probably would have to watch four or five times before it finally sank in. And, I don't want to know anything about Blade Runner 2049. I'm trying not to ask questions because I have a feeling it's going to confuse me. So I just want to go. I'm really excited about it, but I want to go on there and I just want to watch it. And you know, if I need to watch it again, so be it. What are your hopes on Blade Runner 2049? Are you planning to see it this weekend? Are you planning to see it at all? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, game source and Humanican Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. Tell you what, we're just so excited for Blade Runner 2049. And if all goes well, hopefully we will be giving our thoughts on the movie itself, kind of a breakdown of the movie on our Monday show, the Pop Culture Cosmos show, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. So again, it's going to be a great show here today. We've got Kevin Goatee. Tyler Baker standing by from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast, and also as well my good friend Rob McCallum with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire coming right up. But first, you know, he's always here for Fridays. It's our man who creates music for us for the PCC multiverse. It's Plasma Z, and this is Shadows of Chernobyl. Kind of fits in the mood with Blade Runner 2049 right now. And this is the PCC multiverse. <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. Do you love pizza? Do you love brothers? Then you'll love the Pizza Bros Podcast. The Pizza Bros Podcast is a weekly show where two brothers discuss all things pizza. Pizza snacks, pizza fashion, pizza tech, pizza history, and don't forget the epic Saucy 16. We review pizza from local restaurants in the Pacific Northwest. And let you know if it's worth your time and money. Each episode is only about 13 to 30 minutes, so it won't take up most of your day. Served up hot and fresh every Wednesday. The Pizza Bros Podcast. Wherever podcasts are sold, we don't sell our podcast. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. I am here again with my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Nintendo Quest. Also as well, he works very, very feverishly as far as being a main cog with Tiny Titan Studios, by the way, which has great games, including Dash Quest and also as well Tiny Rails on mobile free of charge and also Tiny Rails on Steam for $9.99. It's Rob McCallum. What's going on, my friend? Nothing, just uh, taking a small break between working. It was a long day at Tiny Titan. Excuse the yawn. Came home, did the chores around the house. Now back at it again. I'm creating an alternate poster for the for the Kitty Heavy Metal doc actually right now, and I'm got to go through another 5.1 mix that was submitted so we can tie everything up this Thanksgiving weekend or Columbus Day in the U.S. And again, if you want to know about all of Rob McCallum's projects, all of his great films, and how you can get a chance to watch them, see them, and then also learn more about them, check out robmccallumfilms.com or Rob McCallum Films on Facebook. So Rob, as always on the Cosmic Crossfire, it's your turn to take command of the ship. So what's going on in the world of pop culture? Men in Black spinoff. How does this vary or differ from other spinoffs or reboots that we've seen in the past? How do you feel about a Men in Black spinoff when you you hear it before I begin my tirade? Well, first off, I'm kind of disappointed that they're no longer going to include the migration with the Jump Street franchise. That, I thought, would have been a nice pairing. What about that? What, What are your thoughts on that, As you know, if it would have happened? A little too much of a stretch, I think. I think that you'd be taking a... I don't think the Jump Street was actually really a franchise. It's two films deep. The first did better than people expected, which essentially paid for the sequel. Nobody's clamoring for 23 Jump Street. That was supposed to be the Men in Black kind of, where are these two guys going to end up next? I don't know. Let's put them in Men in Black or in a phone booth and they can be the next Bill and Ted. Like, just because you got a comedic pairing of a couple guys doesn't mean that they can just instantly slip into these franchises. So I'm fine with that canceling. I don't I don't need any more Channing Tatum. Well, I will tell you that Men in Black, for me, I've enjoyed the films somewhat. I, obviously, the original was, was, for me, the best of the three. Is it a little bit tired out, and do I think it, it needs to be revived as a reboot or a TV series or whatever they end up? finally planning to do on it i guess so but you know sony with the way that they are structured currently right now as a movie company they are desperate for looking for established tent poles to get them forward that's why they rebooted ghostbusters and that's why they're going to try and and look at other 
names that have made them money in the past. The difference, though, I think with this one is compared to Ghostbusters, at least as a reboot, it doesn't strike me as sacrilegious or so precious. I feel like we have an idea that the Men in Black universe is really large and that there are a ton of agents, almost in a James Bond-like sense. And we've seen other agents come and go. We've heard about other agents, the history and the different eras uh, of the Men in Black kind of franchise or core government agency arm, if you will. So I think it's it's actually pretty smart for them to want to reboot something like this where they'll probably tie in to K and J somehow. We'll hear about them as that's usually the, the thing to do when you reboot. You harken back to the other film, at least in some way, to talk about the new recruits that are, that are happening. Even if Will Smith is now like the new Zed, so to speak, in charge if they, they they may not even announce that or whatever but you can see why he might want to come into that grandfather like shepherd role just to keep his foot wet in that franchise and to give legitimacy to these new recruits that are going out there i think it's a smart move because i think it functions better than like a ghostbusters reboot which is like a complete reboot what sony's trying to do is say yeah all everything in men in black still exists here's just a couple more agents it's like the same thing if uh, whoever ends up with the bond rights were to say, here's what's going on with 006 or 005 or 4 or 009. 007 still exists. He's just in another kind of spot. Just like well, I was saying about Rogue One could have been, you know, a story that didn't have anything to do with like the, the, the Skywalker franchise or, you know, these, these standalone saga films could operate outside the Skywalker story and still be part of the Star Wars universe with everything that's going on there. And that would be a little bit more intriguing to me. So I guess it should be no surprise that something like this is intriguing to me. Well, I will say it does bring a different dynamic with characters that are not just playing uh, rebooted J and K. And I get that. That's fine. I would love for them to incorporate all the action on Earth with going to those different worlds that they often speak of during the course of the movies. So I'm, I'm hoping they'll in, incorporate that aspect of it. And if they do, then the Men in Black series for a lot of people, including myself, will be more appealing. What they've really got to do for this to, to really like to stick the landing is they've got to get that sense of humor down right. And it's, it's a hard to identify kind of sense of humor because it's a little zany, a little wacky, a little gross, but still sci-fi and still somewhat detective-like noir procedural uh, approach. It's it's X-Files, but it's it's slapsticky and almost Mad Magazine-esque vibe to it. And actually, you know, I mentioned Bill and Ted, and Ed Solomon was one of the writers on the original, I believe, the original book that it's based on, and he was also a writer on Bill and Ted and is penning the third Bill and Ted film, if that ever gets greenlit. So you can see similar kinds of humor, this strange out there messing with the principles of the, of the world. I just think if they can nail that sense of humor and have a decent story, I don't think the story held up for, for the second and third installments. The vibe was there for the second one, but it was the plot that let people down. So get that plot right. Get it something that's a cool alien kind of threat with a little bit of a, a twist and expand the universe without you know having to ask us to leap through so many rings of Saturn to understand it. And then it'll be good. I don't think I'm, I don't need to go see other planets and stuff. I think we have enough ingredients with, Men in Black trying to protect the Earth from the scum of the universe without having to go anywhere and have to explain new rules and how that functions. Keep everybody grounded here. I think that'll be fine. But I think as a, as a spinoff 
and a reboot, it almost has the same chance of survival as like Jurassic World, where it's acknowledging the existence of the other ones, but it's trying to set something up within that same universe uh, without it being a complete rewrite. So kudos to Sony for, for making this move and double kudos for not trying to do a 23 Jump Street crossover Fantastico film. They should have taken The Rock and what and Zach Efron from Baywatch, and that would have been a little bit more interesting than Tatum and what's his name? Oh, uh, Jonah Hill? Yeah, him too. That'll do it for the uh, old Cosmic Crossfire. Let us know what you think, what you want to hear possibly next week. We'll dive into it. Reach out to Gerald on Twitter, uh, PCC. It's, isn't it weird, like P underscore C star C or something like that? No, no, it's Pop Culture Cosmos. I know he wanted to try and change it, but... Uh, I just tried. I tried to do everything I could with the PCC, and it just basically somebody else has got it. So I stuck with Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter. That's Pop Cosmo. Culture. Cosmo. I wish okay, it was Cosmos, but Twitter won't give me that extra S. I got Pop you. Culture Cosmo on Twitter, then also Pop Culture Cosmos at Facebook, and also Game Source and Humanity Media as well. You can send out out a tweet or a direct message on any one of those platforms. All right, let us know what you think, and we'll be back uh, next week with more interesting Cosmic Crossfire discussions. Sounds good, my friend. Thank you. Cheers. Rob McCallum Films is back in 2017 with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the show. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here again. And I'll tell you what, it is my distinct pleasure to have on someone that is multifaceted within the realm of pop culture. He's a, just an outstanding comedian. He's a director, a creator, a, a podcaster. He's, he's so well-rounded. He's got a lot of great stuff going on. First off, you want to check out his site. That's Kevin Goo, G-O-O-T-E-E, even though it's pronounced differently, .com. You want to check out all the great things he's doing as far as upcoming appearances, plus also information on his great podcast, Sportsbook Box Office Podcast, which is now available on iTunes. Also, as well, his awesome, awesome show that he has on Amazon. If you know, if, even if you don't have Amazon Prime, it's still definitely worth a great watch. Indeed, that's comics watching comics for a great laugh and definitely a great show. Indeed, it is Kevin Goatee. How are you today? Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. I'm doing well. How about yourself, sir? I'm doing very well indeed. It's a great pleasure to have someone as uh, talented and multifaceted as, as yourself on the show. We're starting to wind down when it comes to the Major League Baseball season. Playoffs are here. We're already getting into as far as the, the postseason and, and who's going to be those two teams that are going to match up in the World Series in the Fall Classic. And uh, to me, I've got, got some hope that there's going to be some great teams because, you know, different points of time of the year, the Houston Astros and the Cleveland Indians both proved that they were among the elite in baseball the yankees proved that they also have like you you know you and i talked off show that they're also very very strong especially in their pitching realm and then also as well the dodgers they dominated the west but they still there was a couple of great teams that definitely could surprise like the arizona diamondbacks 
You're right. Uh, and I'm a Yankees fan. I'm a Yankees Giants Rangers fan. I'm right down party lines. When you said Tom Brady getting pressure in the pocket, no better fan to realize that than yours truly who watched the Giants take <laughs> that, that team down two Super Bowls. That's right. The only team to do that. Uh, I hate the Patriots. Anyway, uh, back to baseball. Yes. You said the Dodgers. Here's the thing. The Dodgers just ran off. You know, they were like 45 over 500 at some point in July. Then they went on an awful, what was it, 10-11 game losing streak? I think it was 13, 15, yeah. Yeah, 50, yeah, God, I mean, from one extreme to the other. I mean, it, So I still want to say I like them because actually it's funny. On our, on our podcast just on Monday, my uh, co-host Jeffrey Paul, he loves the Nationals. I don't know why. The Nationals can't get out of their own way. Dusty Baker is the king of one-and-dones in the playoffs. Their bullpen has been a colossal failure through years past. But they have addressed it. However, I'm a fan of statistics and uh, and past behavior, and I'm not betting the Nationals ever to do anything special. Gino Pisconti, another NFL guru and comic, he likes the Cubs to come out of there again, maybe even repeat. But uh, I said Dodgers. I said, you know what? Let's uh, let's get them a shot. They've always been on the doorstep. I know Clayton Kershaw. He's the best pitcher in baseball. But you know, come October second, Cinderella turns into a pumpkin. I think this year maybe the uh, it could be it. Now watch Arizona come out there and and, and pull everyone's pants down and embarrass them. Because Which Arizona I, I, actually they they really had their number during the regular season. I look forward to that. I think I'm going to say the Dodgers somehow get it together. This is the year that they get together and come out. As for the AL, I'm kind of happy Cleveland had that streak. You know why? Because that means they blew their load too early. As a Yankee fan, I think our, I know our bullpen is as good as theirs. I know they have a great bullpen. Our bullpen is as good, maybe a slight nod us. They do have better starting pitching. I like Severino. Kluber, you can equal those two out. Tanaka gives up too many home runs. I'm not crazy about him. Sabathia is the workhorse. I wouldn't be surprised if they threw him in at two, and I think that's what Drury said he's going to do. And then uh, you got three. You've got maybe Montgomery. We'll see. Or Sonny Gray actually would be a three. Starting pitching can be good. The offense is there. And here's something that the Yankees haven't had in, since really the early 90s, and that's youth. Aaron Judge, 25, he just turned last week. Or the other day, excuse me, when he hit his 50th home run to break McGuire's rookie record. you got a slew of young kids out there. Bird, you've got Gregorius is in his mid to late 20s. Tyler Austin off the bench. you got Gary Sanchez, who's an who's a all-star catcher. they got a lot of youth. So, again, that's something that this time of year when the old guys are broken down, the Yankees have youth. Houston, they, they scared me before. I don't think they have that same fear they're putting in me. I know Correa's great. I know Altuve is great. He's probably going to be a, a solid MVP candidate. I like to yeah. think my boy Aaron Judge's late surge might have propelled him back to that top of the discussion. We'll see. Definitely going to get rookie of the year without a question. But – I really want to think the Yankees can do it. Most, you know, if you would ask me at the beginning of the year, do the Yankees going to make the playoffs? I'm like, you're out of your mind. I just want them to suck them so they can get Bryce Harper and maybe Machado on that team. But give Cashman all the credit. He goes out and makes trades. They were in it. They caught fire early. That's what the Admiral Cashman needed to go make a few trades, shore up that bullpen. I would have think the Yankees could possibly pull it off. I would love nothing more to see the old-fashioned Late 1978-1981 rematch, Yankees versus Dodgers. There you go. So you also think that the Red Sox, uh, even though they have a better record, that team-wise in a playoff series, let's say a five-game scenario, won't match up to the New York Yankees yeah. as well? 
Yeah, I think, first of all, the Yankees have something over their head, which is great, and that is beating Chris Sale. Uh, albeit it's been one-run games, one-nothing games, but their win is a win. David Price stinks. I am. A, I tell you, the one stat I'm afraid of, the Red Sox in extra innings have a, a fantastic record in extra innings, the most one-run wins in baseball. That scares me, but they're pitching – if we get to the ALCS, they have to face Sale three times. Am I as scared? No, but I'm definitely not happy about it. I think the Yankees match up well against them. I think the Boston Red Sox are quicker in their booties if they have to face us in that ALCS. Well, that's some great predictions indeed. Predicting a Dodgers and Yankees. How storied will that be? My goodness. They'll dust off all that old video from the 70s with Reggie Jackson right there. Uh, that'll oh. come out of the woodworks if that uh, gets uh, you know shown and comes to fruition on Fox as far as the Fall Classic is concerned. Those are some great, great, great predictions indeed. Once again, uh, I'm here with Kevin Goatee. You know, Kevin, I've said a lot about your great stuff going on, but please, uh, before we head on out, I, I got to have you talk about all the great stuff you're doing and maybe some things that I didn't even know about what's going on in your life, the life of Kevin Goatee. Let me tell you a little bit about comics watching comics. So just give you the pitch real fast for those of you who haven't seen it. Think of the show, Last Comic Standing and uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. What the show is, it's a competition. It's a competition slash a game show slash reality show. And that's where I tape a bunch of inter intermediate comics because here in New York, there are, you know what, eight clubs, 40-ish spots a night, and there are thousands of comics. Now, obviously, not all comics are deserving. A lot need to quit. <laughs> but we need to get more exposure to those comics, and I thought this is another way for the show to do that. So I taped 50 comics per taping, and 25 are on one season, 25 on the second. And what I do is uh, I tape them, they do five minutes, and I bring the footage back to my house where I have, like I said before, myself and several panelists, more tenured comics, watch and critique the show. They watch, uh, they critique, they praise, they offer advice, or if they're horrible, they take a big dump on them because uh, some people need to be told to stop. And, of course, we bust balls. That's what comics do. And what this show really does, besides, again, like it was, again, why as we put it at the top of the show, was provide insight and feedback to comics. It pulls the curtain back. And shows the general public what what see comedy, how we view it, kind of doing the X's and O's, you know, like what, what Madden did for football, and that's what we're doing with this show. And at the end of the, every episode, the panel picks a winner. We vote on a winner. Here's where things get different. They're going to pick their favorite panelists that they want to see and return on the following show. They're going to vote at Comics Watching on Twitter and pick their favorite panelists that they want to see come back to the following episode. Newer seasons. We've had a, a master panelist on it. Jeffrey Gurian is his name. He has written for immeasurable legends. Dice Clay, Rodney Dangerfield, Joan Rivers. He has written for he, Seinfeld. He knows all of them, written for them. And he's our master panelist. And his job is master panelist is to give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down of our decision the panel makes for their winning comic. And then at the end, I've had one live show. I'm going to have another one, hopefully, in the middle of November at a club. I'm working on the contract where I have the winning comics perform, as well as the panelists, and, of course, yours truly. We also have some of the comics who have really taken on the chin, comics that really just ate it, and it's a section I call Redemption Section. Each of them get a minute. They're going to uh, and a minute to really appease themselves to the crowd, and the crowd's going to vote the applause which comic they want to see do a set that night 
on the show. So it's kind of a, a second chance, you know. If Major, if Major League Baseball can give Steve Howe 18 chances, why can't we give a second chance here on Comics Watching Comics? So all the information will be on ComicsWatchingComics.com. Of course, on Twitter, at ComicsWatching, Instagram, ComicsWatchingComics. That way, if you're in the New York area, if you can get here in November, you can be part of the live show and hang out and see, uh, as Adam Kroll loves to say, how the fudge is packed. Check it out. Again, that's Comics Watching Comics on Amazon. Also as well, ComicsWatchingComics.com. Check out all the great information there. Before, again, I let you go, you got to tell me more about what's going on with your Sportsbook Box Office Podcast. Sure. We do that every two weeks, so make sure you subscribe, like it on iTunes. And if you could, hey, go to Patreon.com, I think it's slash Sportsbook Box Office, or just search for it on Patreon. And uh, if you don't mind, we're looking for some sponsorship just to keep the lights on, just to keep the bandwidth going. So if you want to contribute a few bucks here and there, that'd be great. We have a list of uh, items that you can win by donating to that. So go to go to Patreon.com and look up Sportsbook Box Office Podcast. You can also support Comics Watching Comics on Patreon.com. We're also selling Comics Watching Comics shirts as well. 20 bucks gets you a shirt, including shipping. Sportsbook Box Office Podcast, right now it's in the middle of NFL season. And I'm a big gambler. We had, like I said, we just on Gino Visconti. We guessed the lines for the upcoming week. I do picks every week on my website, as you mentioned before. Again, thank you, KevinGoatee.com. If you find me on Facebook, I, uh, I do a video with my picks, and I have my little two-year-old daughter I hold up as we do picks. And she eats a cookie. She makes a few comments. She's an absolute blast. I like to talk sports, obviously, gambling, movies, That's uh, if that's what you're into, even some video games here and there. I, I talk about that as well. I so see you got a lot of stuff there in the back. That's what we talk about. Yeah, the Sportsbook Box Office Podcast. Every two weeks, subscribe on iTunes, like, share with a friend, five-star review. As you had just said that you've given us, thank you very, very much. And that's what I'm up to. Thank you again for having me. It's been an absolute blast. Once again, that's Kevin Goatee. All the best to you and being part of the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back on the program. This is the PCC Multiverse. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast. Thanks so much for listening, uh, especially in times like this this week. We truly cannot thank you enough for, for being part of the program. And it's going to be another great week in the NFL. Week five, people starting to sort out their teams in the NFL. And also as well, they're starting to figure out their teams in fantasy. Some are already hitting the panic button, and I know a lot of them already are already hitting the hotline and trying to get a hold of this man right here I have on with me today. He is Tyler Baker from ffpaydirt.com and also as well, the Fantasy Football Paydirt Podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm very well. And yes, people are 
panicking a little bit. It's still, Tyler, help me. <laughs> it's still kind of early in the season. If you've, you know, hit some bumps in the road, don't freak out too much. But if you are, you know, one in three or Lord forbid, oh, and four, you are going to have to start making some changes. So I have had quite a few people uh, hitting me up about trades and and what guys to be targeting moving forward and what guys to cut bait on. So there's uh, there's a lot of questions and I'm happy to answer all of them. Well, obviously it goes without saying because people are looking forward to having the momentum at the end of the season because that momentum could be carried into the playoffs. Yes, uh, but you need to make the playoffs first. And there's been so many times where I've made it into the playoffs with just over 500 record. And that's really not that unheard of. Just make it to the playoffs. If you can just make it to the playoffs, you give yourself a really good shot of winning your league. So I know there's a lot of good stuff coming up for your Saturday show. So yes. I won't delve into too much on that. But what are some of the things that folks on this show that want to get a taste of what, what's coming up on your Saturday show what do they need to know? Or what do they need to start planning now in regards to week five in the NFL? Well, on my Tuesday show, I go over the guys that you want to target on the waiver wire. That is very important, especially if you're trying to correct your team. If your team is, is uh, not where you want it to be, the waiver wire is really the best way to do that. Um, I also help people negotiate trades. What guys are trending like this week, I'm encouraging people to start targeting T.Y. Hilton. Get T.Y. Hilton on your team. Andrew Luck, he is practicing again. So a lot of T.Y. Hilton owners and a lot of Dante Moncrief owners have not gotten much production out of those guys. So they're probably willing to sell them cheap. And so you can make a trade and pick up one of those guys, ride it out for another week, maybe two at the most. And then Andrew Luck will be back and their offensive line will be as close to healthy as it can be by that point. So you can expect a lot more production in a couple of weeks from T.Y. Hilton and Dante Moncrief than there has been seen earlier in the season. Going into this weekend, there are some, some games that I'm going to be watching that are going to be pretty interesting. Is it crazy that the Bills are leading the AFC? <laughs> I mean, they're ahead of the Patriots in that division. Like, that is just insane. So this football season has been really weird. <laughs> Who'd have thunk that? I tell you Who'd what. Who'd that? But I do want to ask one thing, and then I'll let you finish off with everything as far as what's going on that you want to talk about. What team, as far as overall, do you want to go in on as far as for fantasy owners? And what team do you really want to stay away from? Although I think I probably know that answer on the last one. Well, there's been some flashes in Houston with their young quarterback. I'm staying away from that. I watched that game film. He didn't look that great. The numbers were there. They put up 57 points. Will Fuller, there was a nice timing route. Uh, but other than that, that connection between him and Fuller, I'm just not buying. Even though Fuller had two touchdowns, the numbers were there. I'm just not buying it. I think the Steelers are overrated, but we'll see. Baltimore, the Ravens are just in an absolute mess. That offense is really pathetic right now. As far as going into this next week, if you have players that are Tennessee Titans, you're worried because it doesn't look like Marcus Mariota is going to play. And in Oakland, Derek Carr has a back injury. 
it was listed as two to six weeks. I, everywhere that I'm hearing, it's closer to two weeks. And from what I understand, he's progressing really well. So that might not be as big of a deal as we had thought. So those might be some players that you could buy cheap on too. Well, I think it's going to be the, well, if I may, I think it's going to be based off of their record. If they win the next two, then I think they might give him at least another extra week off. Could they could and EJ Manuel when he came in in relief on Sunday he didn't look that bad like he looked because he don't forget EJ Manuel was a first round pick and he looked good enough that I think that he could operate that offense Michael Crabtree is practicing Amari Cooper is practicing so they could be pretty much healthy any last thoughts on the way out on week five in the NFL and then also can you tell everybody about your great site your great Facebook group, and also your awesome and outstanding podcasts. Well, I love our Facebook group. And if anyone out there has a lineup question or a trade question or anything like that, because it is so difficult to give broad advice, especially when I'm doing my podcast, I don't know the scoring in your league. I don't know who's available on the waiver wire. I don't know what your team looks like. So I give advice the best that I can. But if you want tailored advice to your team, for your league, get on the Facebook group and you can go to Facebook, get on the search bar and just type in fantasy football, pay dirt podcast, and you'll see the discussion group, join that group. And myself and a couple of uh, trusted colleagues will help you make the best decisions for your fantasy football team. Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the fantasy football pay dirt podcast. You can catch his podcast every Tuesday and Saturday, or if you want to listen to it, listen to it right now. Well, after our show airs, that's going to be on Apple Podcasts. That's also as well Libsyn and Player.fm and also as well Overcast.fm. Catch his great site, ffpater.com, and of course the Facebook group, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. I'll tell you what, Tyler, it's going to be a great weekend in the NFL, and there's no one better to cover it than you, my friend. We will be back on Monday's show to mm -hmm. cover it all and see what happened and and hopefully I will go forward one. I hope so, my friend. Uh, it's always good talking to you. And uh, God bless you guys in Las Vegas right now. Thank you, my friend. It's truly uh, great to hear you again. It's great to great to appreciate uh, all the love and, uh, that, that you're sending out. And as always, we truly appreciate you being part of the PCC Multiverse. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com And we're back to close out the show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being here as part of the PCC Multiverse. Before I, I let everybody know about where they can catch our show if they need to download it or stream it, and then also as well the Pop Culture Cosmos show, our Monday show, which is the number one show seven months in a row on the podcast radio network. So Josh, tell us everything that's going on in the world of Humanic Media. I mean, you mentioned the Tuesday show. We have this weekend, we'll be recording a new What About This? So you'll have that on Monday to look forward to. You can check out a new mini version of Super BS that's now available on iTunes. You will have more Topic Topicocalypse coming at you in the next couple of weeks. We're just doing some transitioning here. And uh, check out Inside Sports every Wednesday nights. And yeah, that's all we got right now. 
Plus also as well. Check out Attack of the Humanicans every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. And you can always catch a lot of their great shows on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast.com, YouTube, and so many more outlets. Check Humanican Media on Facebook and Twitter for all the great details. And of course, our show, The Pop Culture Cosmos Show, and this show, The PCC Multiverse, is always available for download. You can check it out anytime on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, The Ace Podcast Network, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gunna Geek Network, Cast Crunch, Social Podcasts, and PopCultureCosmos.wordpress.com. And if you do download or stream our shows, you will always get extra bonus content just for listening. So, Josh, it's been another uh, great episode we've got here today. Any last thoughts on the way out? Blade Runner 2049, Blade Runner 2049. Yes, go see the movie. Everybody listening, go watch Blade Runner. We need more movies like Blade Runner. So go watch it. Justify making a third one. You know, I've been long clamoring for something like this, that a sci-fi has really hit home with audiences that doesn't fall in the nature of a like a formula type deal. So I'm definitely hoping that people will make it a big hit so that maybe something like that will generate a whole new Blade Runner universe, which should have been created back in 1982, will actually finally get its just due. And that's what I'm hoping for. I want to thank everyone again for, for being on the show today. That Josh, of course, Rob McCallum, Kevin Goatee, Tyler Baker. We truly appreciate it. And thanks again for listening to the intro, which again is dedicated to all those people that suffered or or lost their lives in this past week's tragedy here in Las Vegas. I will tell you that the Las Vegas community is is definitely getting back into shape. Been truly inspiring to see everybody doing everything they can to, to help each other. And it's very heartwarming indeed. The circumstances from which this has come under, unfortunately, is tragic, but at least we're trying to get through this together, and it makes it Vegas strong. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening, and here's hoping you have yourself a great This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Super. Super.
Anyways, thank you guys for joining us on a new episode of Mini BS. This is going to be a nice little short version we're going to try. I got some new friends back from the old ray to break some bread. Um, My name is Brian Brank, Professor Wagner. You know me, you love me, you love me, and you know me, and maybe you hate me, but I hope that's not true. Um, and anyways, I want to bring back an oldie but a goodie. Who's here with me? Speak, you organ foe. Beat, beat, mesquite. How's it going, guys? <laughs> nice. Vita is back. No! I put it in a drawer. Vita forever. I love it. And who is joining us as well? Oh, it's Jank Josherson. Jank um, Josherson. George. Also known as Professor Wegner. Oh, That's me. Is... Oh, you're a no, professor now. It's... I didn't know you were a yeah, professor. Yeah, no, actually, in yeah, the time no. that you moved away, I got a PhD in stuff oh wow no no none of that net no that didn't happen um <laughs> anyways we're missing the lady madonna and bank stank himself as well as some special girls but we will be trying these uh mini bs episodes out and seeing how you guys like them. they're gonna be a little bit shorter a little bit funner a little bit faster a little bit freer um veet veet i want to know what you've been playing i want to know bad oh boy okay well as you know i moved to Oregon and been wait just so the viewers know or listeners where is Oregon on a map of the United States it's not in the United States it's in another uh, country called Texas (laughs) Oregon it's just above California (laughs) next to Texas next to Texas (laughs) above California next to Texas thrones right in between Hawaii and California A throne's okay. throw. A thro- if you can throw a whole throne, <laughs> then you can get to it from Texas. That's how I do it. I, th- I throw my throne. Ah! <laughs> so a stone's like, throw. Just a hip scop and a hip skip. I like, oh, boy. I like I'm the throne's mess. throw more, though, just because it's like you could probably only throw it maybe half a foot. So well, <laughs> it's right next well, to it. It depends on how heavy the throne is, Brian. It's a baby's throne, okay? It's a baby's throne, like I can the, throw it like the far. Game of Thrones. So in Oregon, do they have video games? They do have video games. In fact, in Oregon, they have Nintendo Switches on the shelves fairly regularly. No, they don't. Yeah. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. I got one. You'd be you proud. got one. You'd be proud of me, mm. guys. Hey, we're Very talking about video games, not promoting tourism, okay? I am, yeah. I promote tourism to Oregon. Yeah, I mean, if they have a SNES Classics over there, you're probably going to see a rush of people. It was actually trying in- to find interesting this. when I got it because I always just kind of casually look at the gaming section whenever I'm in, you know, Target or any store, right? Just waiting to see it pop up on the shelves finally. And then yeah. I, I was surprised. I actually saw it. I was like, I kind of did a double take. And then when I went to talk to the guy, he said, yeah, it'll be sold out in an hour. But he says, uh, he was telling me the same guy. Uh, this is in a Fred Meyer store in Oregon, which is, uh, I don't know. I'd never heard of it before I got it here. Doesn't it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's, it's a, a store. I it's an Oregon store. It's cool. I like it. Um, it's a guy's house. His name's Freddie Meyer. <laughs> Freddie Myers. He was telling me the same, the same guy comes in, and he buys all the Nintendo Switches and the Nintendo 3DSs, and he sells them um, over to, like, Saudi Arabia for, like, five grand a piece. I don't know if this is true or verified, but that's what he was telling me. I verified it on Twitter, so that's true. You can buy them yeah, and he, sell them to Saudi Arabia for five grand. He, he's a Twitter can, verified. Can I we, do. <laughs> can we tweet at that guy Saudi Fred Arabia? Myers? He's Twitter verified, so I trust. No, him I don't now. know if, if you have you guys heard of that or is that just something? I, I, mean, I don't know. It, I guess I I'm guess starting a new it, job, it makes man. Sense, <laughs> no, seriously, I'm thinking about. I haven't opened it yet, but I'm 
if that's true, I'm like, uh, kind of want to sell yeah, it. So if you business. do that, you can technically move back to California on that kind of paycheck. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You got to get back here where the land is free and home of the brave, okay? But um, Not like those Oregonian types. Ever uh, since I saw Donna playing his Switch, and then uh, that finally got me excited about it because until I – that was the first time I saw it in person. I didn't didn't look too appealing to me. Um, and it's still not stoked on the controller. Uh, got to get that pro controller. Um, got to do it. But um, I, I, I finally got one, and I'm super – honestly, when I saw – um, like Mario Odyssey coming out soon and Skyrim between yep. um, between Zelda Odyssey and Skyrim I was like that's enough those those three are enough on my th- th- and we've me and Dave talked about this a while ago on my like schedule of you know having a baby to to love on and a, and a job and all that jazz where my video game time has severely dropped I don't need a ton of good games but if I I mean those are each I don't know how long Mario Odyssey is going to be, but it's a hundred million hour game. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and you can't beat I'll it. Do it in, <laughs> I'll do it in five. Um, I'll speed run in two minutes. But I'm excited. Is, uh... Between Breath of the Wild and Skyrim, I'm like, this is perfect. This is gonna. That's like months I, of gaming. I, I feel right like there. I have been waiting to play a game like Skyrim on hand, handheld like my entire life. This is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment. All my life. Sorry, I got to love some Phil Collins. I want to get back to that switch soon, but I also want to know, I haven't talked to you for a while, Josh Jorkerson. What uh, what have you been playing, my boy? So today I actually went out and bought Forza, and I forgot no, you didn't. that I, lo- oh, I forgot. I did, you like racing and games. I loaned my Xbox to somebody, so have Wait, you loaned it. your Xbox? Well, yeah, because I wasn't using it, and they I, they wanted to play something, so like I, I loaned it to them. I just gotta get it back. But anyways, I've been playing. Um, I've been, you know, we we I talked to you about this earlier this week. I've been kind of dragging through Final Fantasy twelve. <laughs> you mean Zodiac enjoying age. and loving every moment of it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, which one? Which that. one are you playing? Twelve. The the Zodiac Age. I got the remaster. Final for Fantasy twelve. Four. And I'm just, I'm not a fan, man. Like, I remember why the first time I didn't finish it because I just couldn't get into it, and I'm. Because you weren't you know, good it's, enough. And no, you got it's not good even. Fun. It's not even that. Yes, I suck at video games, and but I still like to play them. But it's just I. I'm not interested. The the main character doesn't have anything really to do with the story, mm. and it's just the story itself doesn't even make sense. It's just and it's a lot of whining, a lot of. It's very Kingdom Hearts ish. I guess it, on, is a, the, uh, on a full episode of Super BS, Donna's gonna rain down on you like fire from hell. Is he a, hu- <laughs> is he a huge fan of Twelve? I, I love 12. Uh, uh, actually, he's Donna. Donna agrees. Donna, Donna agrees with Josh about a lot of that stuff, like a lot of the character stuff. Because um, actually, the character Vaughn, who became the main character, was brought in because they wanted a character <laughs> to appeal to Japanese people. He wasn't that actually means- supposed to be the main character. That's why he's like a young boy. Right. I was reading that's why they gave him, uh, re- like, made Revenant Wings on the 3DS, I think it was. A uh, DS. Yeah, because it. it you know, it didn't really it it fleshed out his story a little more and gave people more closure. But yeah, I do want to talk to Don about it. I just, you know, we haven't I haven't seen him for a bit. So next time, well, we'll get next, a super BS episode, soon. We'll, I just want we'll, to get we'll a converse. little mini BSing because we haven't had a uh, old VVD on a while. We're gonna try to get you in for some sweet sweet talks about what you've been playing and edit some of those sweet oh, bad I, boys in. Also, when you I visit did us play, in California every week. I played Evil Within also. Evil Within oh. one or two. The first one and dude, that game is stressful, man. Like it's it's. It's difficult, even like 
you know, I, I'm bad at video games, but it's hard <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's stress. It's not hard because hard to play. It's just stressful to play. Like there's, you, you're constantly running from things and like just the whole first chapter of the game, you're running from like a, a giant uh, butcher in an apron who just wants to, you know, rip your torso out. Right. But is it annoying or is it fun? It's fun, but it's uh, you run out of ammo. It's one of those games where you run out of ammo really quick, and so it once you run out of ammo, you got to keep doing that thing where you walk up and you club them, and then you run away and hope that they don't chase after you. And uh, then you do sucks. that, have to do that like ten times to finally kill somebody. Yeah, because there's a difference between like Dark Souls hard, where you can learn how to fight the boss, and that's part of the game, versus like just a monotonous like. Uh, Something that's just like tedious, and I'm just so over tedious games nowadays. I can't, yeah. I can't do it. So, I just wanted you to clarify, which you did. Yeah, yeah. I right. can't really play the games anymore that are like, oh, it will get good after you play for six hours. Like, yeah, I, well, because no, time, I'm not gonna play this for six hours. Like Assassin's oh. Creed Three, where you make me play through the awesome part, and then you make me play through the boring intro as a kid for an additional four hours before I even unlock anything. No more. I think no just, as I get older, I, my passion and hate for things that I don't like in video games just grows. Like when you guys were, I don't know if it was last episode or two episode, when you guys were talking about like the Fallout 4 um, oh. building, I, I, <laughs> I wish terrible. I could have been on that show because I loathe it. I hate it so much. I I. I couldn't stand, you played on I couldn't PC, stand it. right? Uh, huh? No, I played a P, uh, Xbox. But, okay, but, which, say, which we talked them. about because it was freaking hard to do to build. Yeah. And I, I was like, am I doing this wrong? I don't think so. And then when the rumors of like they might put that in, in Elder Scrolls, and I was like, kill me now if they put that in this. And like well, we talked about it, how maybe you add it as like an add-on, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I don't want it to be in one – like we were talking about in Fallout 4 when like you'd be doing an important mission. It's like – your uh, your colony is getting attacked. I was like, well, they're all gonna die right now because I'm over. <laughs> I'm not leaving, and if I get punished for this, I'm gonna be pissed. Have you guys yeah. played uh, a game called Seven Days of Diets on PS4 and Steam? No, and Xbox One. Like, but no, I and Xbox. In fact, well, so I didn't even mention what I'm playing. I just mentioned when I bought. I, I'm only playing. Yeah, I know. Playing Under, Undertale, yet. which is fantastic. Ooh, love that game. Dude, I still gotta get on. Love that, that game. game, Josh. Have you not played it? I haven't yet. It's on my to play list. It's short. I haven't short. seen it yet, so I'm one to talk. But it's short, and honestly, the soundtrack is amazing. It's that's, it reminds me of a. Hearing. It's not like Halo ODST, but just every once in a while, you you play a game, and the soundtrack is just enough. And Undertale is one of them. Um, Brian and I were talking about it. Just like, I'm probably gonna go buy the soundtrack for it. Um, like I bought the yeah. soundtrack for Fez. I'm probably gonna buy Undertale. Yeah, this is one of the few games I actually put the soundtrack on vinyl. Like, I liked it that much. I I think the only other games I can think of that I liked the soundtrack as much was is Chrono Trigger mm. and uh, maybe Final Fantasy VI. Um, otherwise, like, I Undertale is probably one of my top favorite soundtracks. But, yeah, you should, uh, Josh, you should play it. It's only, it is took it, me, I, I want to say, on, six hours to beat the first time. Can I get it on PlayStation? It's on PlayStation, Vita, and like in computer, Vita, Vita. PC, like okay. Vita, Vita, Vita. <laughs> um, but oh, I miss Davey when Pudo. are you gonna start playing those to, sweet? Uh, I, need, I know, so I he can fight Dave you on Stock that. Corners. 
Yeah, I know, man. Well, we'll we'll be we'll be bringing the gang back together again, but we've been going through some transitional bumps yep. with time schedules and whatnot. And even, um, even this show for our listeners, it's a first show where we're um, not we're all not all some... in the same room together, which is. Well, I mean, I have a Don't... twenty-seven inch screen, so it kind of feels. No, like I know. I have room. to say, it's seeing <laughs> you guys on the screen. It's it's not as good as being in person, but this is considerably better than how I thought it was going to be. And I mean, we the sound quality is to be determined but um you Brian's done some interviews and the TBD. sound quality's been, <laughs> been been getting better so we're working on it guys hey, hey, don't break though, the illusion bro- we're all in the same room together oh, right. right now California that Oregon bit was a joke we don't even believe in that place <laughs> doesn't exist um hey, no and, though, and we'll be getting some to- more sweet sweet stuff up we got some more interviews lined up in the future and we'll get some super bs back but i like the idea of having a mini bs checking in with our bros from the bs lineage and getting some new stuff done and you know we miss you listeners and we missed uh, all catching up i've been playing a game that i don't really want to talk about much here because i want to talk about with donna because he has actually played and beaten it but i've been playing cuphead and all i will say mm. is it's probably Maybe one of the coolest games I've ever played. I don't know if it's like my favorite game or the top game of the generation or anything like that, but just following that close to an aesthetic where it's all like 19, I want to say 1940s, might even be 1930s cartoons, and following that by making the music that way and making the art style that way and making the bosses look that like it's it's really, really, really a treasure. It's such a cool thing. I... I would say play it on Steam if you don't have an Xbox, but it plays really, really well on Xbox One, and um, pretty stoked. I haven't turned on my Xbox <laughs> like almost all summer before that, so I was just playing Switch non-stop. Oh yeah, and, and I don't want to say I, I yeah. listened to your West of uh, Loathing interview, and that was a uh, super yeah, cool, Brian. Cool and because funny enough, right? I uh, use you and Eric. Uh, mostly for my <laughs> my video game news, <laughs> and then I get to actually comment yeah, on it sometimes when I'm on the show, which is kind of funny. But um, it was pretty cool. Oh, and so uh, the, I, yeah, but it was interesting. Donna will do some of these mini BSs with us soon too. He's just figuring some stuff out. Uh, hopefully, we can get Davy Poo too. But my point yeah, being yeah. is, it was interesting hearing you, and I think the listeners might be interested. Um, talking about like the different programming um that yeah. that they did especially with their first game which they said was more of like a website than an actual programmed game um yeah i found that crazy. super interesting and then um and then we me and you've talked a little bit about uh game maker which i think is what he used for undertale right uh what yeah that's what the toby fox used for undertale there's there's a lot of great great right. programs, but continue Sorry. no no it's just it's all super interesting because I don't have the time right now, but I'd love to make one eventually. And um, the thing about um, video games is it's kind of becoming like, uh, uh, oh, um, what is it? Uh, Squarespace. You know how Squarespace, you guys know Squarespace? You, they can, uh, yeah. They're a sponsor of the show. Uh, one day, ma- They'll maybe. They'll advertise uh, for free. <laughs> Squarespace, buy Squarespace. your mattress or it's free. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, so they have those... Pr- those those websites where you know you just get these uh you buy these already built websites and you make them it's how i made my website and it looks really good and i i'm thinking video games are just going to get easier and easier which is awesome for me because i'm um one of the hard big things between video games is um uh programming but it it seems like that's going to be disappearing more and more where where 
just talented people like Toby and um, myself are going to be able to make these. Uh, these, myself, <laughs> these cool. Toby Fox and myself equal, to- equal level, <laughs> even though I've not made something and Toby has just uh, the same. I've written books. Same level. So I'm just I know. transferring. I'm same. making the equivalent. Cause, but but um, that was all super interesting awesome. to me. And I think that as it moves forward, programs like Game Maker are just going to get easier and better. Because I checked it out. You could, there's. With YouTube these days, you can get a tutorial of anything, and um, I watched a few, and it was really easy, and it looked, and if I wasn't just moved to Oregon with a a kid in a new job and uh, doing my second draft of my book and talking with some possible agents, then I would be... uh, (laughs) I would be making a video game, but you, unfortunately, I don't have time for... The older you get, you, uh, I, I think it was my dad. You have more time. No, my dad said this. tell he, everybody you know, the real thing. You only have time to do, he said, either four or five things in your life when you get older. So it's like family, job, and like two hobbies. You only have time to do four or five things well in your life as you get older. And you kind of have to choose. Because I'd love to, to play music and, and do that. Um, but that's, that's, that's lower than video games. So right now, anyway a bit of a rant but for people that are interested in making video games check out game maker um and i found that in the interview really interesting so if you if you missed that episode and you're interested you might want to go back and listen to yeah and talk about it kind of something i want when i when i talk to people I, I like asking like what they do some people go through programming um man zach zach he he did everything through uh, uh, JavaScript, which is – it is a language, but it's primarily done for websites. So, I mean, right. it, it's kind of incredible that he made such an in-depth, detailed thing. And it's, it is it, – it, it's been a real pleasure just to be able to talk to these people and, and you know, pick their brains. Because, yeah, it, making games is going to become easier, but it's still not going to make good games become easier no, to make. No, and he talked you know? about that in the, in the episode. Yeah. He talked about how a lot of people have an idea, you know, but uh, – but way fewer people have the vision to have the idea and to work through the idea and then to pull off the idea. It's the same with every medium. It's the same with movies. It's the same with writing. It's the same with books. The thing is, is that it is getting more easier attainable for video games now, but still you have to have that drive to see something through completion. And he talked about starting off with a small project because Undertale's not very long. So I'm hoping if he makes an Undertale too, he can flush it out a little bit more. It, I don't want it to be super long, but um, a little yeah. bit longer would be would be nice, I think. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. I'm, I'm curious if he'll go back to that well. I want to say Toby Fox is 23 or 24, and Undertale sold uh, at least a million yeah, copies more than, more than a million. at $20. Yeah, yeah so, I don't know how old he is. I just I mean, see older than me and dude, younger than me. And he's, It's uh, crazy how <laughs> young people are when they're younger, so games. I'm gel gel. No, it's all right. I mean, people are there's very talented people on all ages of spectrums, but uh, I'm just saying he's very young, so he doesn't maybe need to have as many millions as he has. So who knows how long it will take to uh, to go back to that well. And we have but, uh, uh, we have an interview with him coming up, right? Uh, yeah, you got it. He oh. he loves doing interviews. If you find him online, he's uh, he's gonna be on our number show. One interview to guy. be determined. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I think. Try to keep all the listeners uh, listening to this. Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe not listeners. Maybe maybe next week, guys. <laughs> Every week, <laughs> I say that. I just got off the horn with Toby, man. It's coming right around the corner. Um, Josh, uh, before we like kind of wrap up and talk to uh, Veet Veet about a little bit more before we 
close out today. What do you? Anything cool been going on with you? We're probably gonna skip some gaming news and get to that in a super BS and keep these mini BSs just for fun chatsies about games and things that we like about games. Yeah, no, I mean I've I've been working on these a little super BS site that the viewer <gasps> or listeners will be able to uh, check out here soon. Hooray! But, so I I I, I do want to talk about one one gaming item. It's the so a lot of people have been talking to me about these Star Fox uh, people making cartridges off of the SNES uh, Star Fox Two. Yeah, what, SNES what you, Classic. Yeah, what do you guys think of that? Because uh, they released Star Fox Two for the first time ever. Yeah, because I guess they're selling them on eBay now. And do you think Nintendo knew that was going to happen, or what? What are so your these, thoughts on this? So these carts have been coming out for years for tons of games, like Earthbound Three or Earthbound Two. People called it Mother Three which was never released in English, people put that on a Game Boy Advance cart with the fan translation. Couldn't, so this stuff, what? Oh, couldn't, can't you, like, can't you just do that with, like, a ROM, though? Like, if you download a ROM? That's, or, that's what this is. Okay. So they, they grab, they rip the ROM from the SNES Classic, since it has USB stuff in it, and then they put it on the cart. It, this is totally illegal. So, I mean, we'll see how long Nintendo lets it slide, but for those other games, like, you can go on Etsy or a bunch of things in games like... Uh, Donna would know this better, but like Terra Enigma and Illusion of Gaia of Super Nintendo, there's a third game, or maybe it is Terra Enigma, and no, like it's really hard to find Terranig- or localize. Pretty sure that's different. That? Well, anyways, one of those games you can find on Etsy that is really, really hard to find, and they sell tons of copies. Uh, Bahamut Lagoon, a square soft game that's like a tactics RPG. Uh, yeah, we all know Super Bahamut Nintendo. Lagoon, obviously. <laughs> Everybody knows Bahamut Lagoon because it never was released here. But anyways, you can buy that, and it plays in a Super Nintendo now. It's it's really weird. It's like I, people I think call it ROM dumping, where they put them on the actual cartridges, <laughs> but it's just like a ROM dump. So that I mean, that's <laughs> ingenuitous. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely illegal. I mean, it'd be the same as you buying a DVD, getting a DVD burner. And then, like, making it look nice and selling it's, it. It's funny like, how it's that... it's literally the same. That is illegal, but it's it's so accessible. Like, you buy any computer, and it gives you the ability to do that. So why would you not do that? Well, why, well you don't sell it, so you don't go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Hey, Brian, when I was in uh, the store, and I saw the Nintendo Switch for 300 bones, and I saw the uh, 3D, 3DS for yep. 200 bones, I was like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> that was an easy choice, going extra 100 for the Switch. But my question is, yes. and I don't know why I thought this. Did you mention that like you're hoping they port the 3DS games to the Switch eventually? or I'm... I'm hoping they will. I know that's the dual screen. Has there been any rumors? Has Reggie gotten to you back to you about that? <laughs> Reggie, Reggie got off the plane. He gave me a call. He said he was tired, uh, so he talked to me Reggie, later. I mean, I'm what just are you waiting. Doing? He's our next interview, man. No, I know. <laughs> well, do you, I see um, him in the back of no, your room. No. I see him. He's just hanging out Reggie, there. Reggie, get on, on the mic. Oh, he's breathing heavier. Um, Brian's neck. Do now, you think I, that there's going to be I would, a demand I would love for, for them to... Uh, sorry, what did you say, Josh? Oh, sorry. Do you think that there's going to be a demand for that? Because people are going to start playing the Switch instead of the 3DS soon. Exactly. So here's, That's my here's point. The thing. Are there yeah, any rumors? Had... Have you heard? Is there any official rumors at all by any means? No. No, nothing. But here, here's the thing. I, I hope it happens. The things that make me nervous are the Switch has sold, I want to say, probably six to eight million Five. copies now, which is a lot. A lot. It was at four or five million in June, so we haven't heard since then. I assume it's higher than that now. Oh, it's yeah. It's um, been selling out every time. Uh, the 3DS, however, is at a hundred or a hundred and twenty million sold. Ooh. 
So it's like they're they have no real need to put these games on the Switch. I'm just hoping Metroid doesn't sell enough mm. on uh, 3DS. So they're like, hey, put it on Switch where people will buy it. Yeah, I just want them to drop the price for it. So my th- the 2DS no, or the, the Switch the, the, or the 3DS? The 3DS. Uh, my 3DS that I had when that broke like I dropped it like four months after I bought it. I have yet to have a 3DS since. <laughs> so I haven't had a 3DS for years. Do you think that it has anything to do with the resolution on the 3DS being so low as compared to what the Switch is? Because I know the that price is, or, no, or no, the not the, wanting to the, put it on the Switch. The picture resolution, because if you took like isn't the this I think the 3DS runs in 240, and if you were I, to port that onto the Switch, it would be it'd be kind of a look not it wouldn't really look that great. Yeah, so they have a game called Mighty Gunvolt Burst that's already on the Switch that was a 3DS game that doesn't look very good. Um, it hasn't stopped other publishers from doing it. I, I couldn't tell you if Nintendo's going to actually do it, but I'm just saying, like, if they wanted to get me and a lot of other people who do not want to play their 3DS anymore to buy Metroid Samus Returns, which I would love to play, they need to put it on Switch. I, I There's too many good games. I mean, we're not going to do news today, but, I mean, just there were 18 games released on Switch last week. There are, and while they were not all good... They have had one good Switch game come out every week. La- uh, two weeks ago, SteamWorld Dig 2. Last week, Golf Story. This week has Stardew Valley, Axiom Verge, and Oxenfree all coming out on the same day. I mean, there's, like, I don't know. For me, it's like they could put more games on there if they want to, you know? Like, <laughs> they could put their games. Uh, but it's it's getting to, I mean, oh, Sorry, I actually lost my train of thought when I said that. The The problem for me is there are too many good games on Switch, so why would I go back to the 3DS? Like, I I don't need to go back to the 3DS. I've got good games. Like, so Nintendo can port it or I'll, I won't play it. Like, it's kind of one of those things. And, you know, I don't know if they, I don't know if they're dying or crying in their bed that I'm not going to play one of their games. I know that I'm their most revered fan and they got a couple statues of me. Um, <laughs> but, listening. yeah, like, it's one of those things. And I know a lot of other people on that same boat. The five or so million of us that have switches don't really want to play 3DS anymore. Yeah, but we'll see if they do anything about that. I don't really want to play it. I just want to play the games on the Switch now. <clears throat> yeah, so. I once you play the Switch, you realize like, hey, these controls are a lot more comfortable for my hands, and I, if I want to play on the TV, I just do that. Yeah. you know, I don't have to require an extra dongle. Like, yeah. So I mean, I went Vita a long time ago. We we all know that, but. If I could yeah, get VV, VV Mesquite. <laughs> but if we could, if they release the games, there's certainly some games I've I've been. I mean, I'd never played the Mario 3D Mario. 3DS Land 3D Land yeah. for the 3DS. It's that really looked good. awesome. It's great. I, I'd, like I'd probably play. one of my favorite portable Mario's ever, if not my favorite portable Mario. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that was it. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um. I do want to wrap this up. Anything that you've got cool that's going on right now? I know you mentioned work. You were working on a book, and we'll probably have you on a mini BS pretty soon, if not in like a sweet, sweet super BS pretty soon. But um, anything else that's been going on or just living life in that uh, sweet Oregonian trail? <laughs> Oregon Trail. Um, in that for, camp for you Oregon get, Trail fans out there, I saw there? that you can get the Oregon Trail card game now at, uh, that's what at, it's at Target on online. So that's actually <laughs> – I actually might pick that up because – only I, sold in I Oregon. know you guys played the Oregon Trail. Um, yeah, I did. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I hunted all the bulls. I, so I'm super down to buy the card game. Um, or the bison, uh, sorry. I know. Can hunt bulls. <laughs> right? I always charge the, the rivers. I would charge and just be like, well, 
if they don't. I loved writing on the tombstones. That was probably my favorite thing. <laughs> I know. Here lies whatever, and then you write a dumb note. <laughs> I'd always, it'd always be like, pay the ferry or charge the river. I'd be like, charge. I'm not paying for the ferry. Charge the river. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I would always, I never lost the game I, that I can remember, but I'd always lose a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about, man. Losing those people. I always picked banker. And I would Bang. and I would charge the river so that when I ended the game I'd have a ton of money. Yeah, oh, nice man. You can't lose any of those supplies. You let all the people go though. Well, Josh, <laughs> anything cool happening with you? I know you said you're working on the site. Anything else that's going on? Uh, not right now, man. I mean, I'm still working on a book. I know Jake's probably working on the same thing. So, well, hey, let's race. Let's just let's see who finishes first. This is going to be the race against yeah. time, man. I, this is going <laughs> crazy. This is around the world in 80 days. Times what are two. what are we racing to? What's the the goal? To finish the book I've, first. I finished it, it, man. I'm, I'm doing my no. second draft. Oh man! Never mind. But the, you're I'm not done it. yet till you're done, man. We're doing this. Oh my goodness! This is gonna happen. Oh my gosh! I oh guess man! Josh all the betters, all the people are lining beat. up at my door. Ready now. to be beat, beat mesquite. <laughs> Sounds oh, like I'm already man. beat, beat mesquite. <laughs> They're lining up to get their bets in. Anyways, we got some cool stuff coming up. We're going to take it out real nice and easy. Thank you for joining us. Talk to you soon, B. That was a very sensual guys. Peace. Oh, yeah. That's uh, to us people that can feel things and. and